the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have a patron-decided episode. That's right. At uh, our, I think it's the $5 tier, uh, you Mm -hmm. can pick an episode each year that we will talk about. Uh, you know, from your kind of past, things that you wanted to discuss. And today's patron, Mike Poole, has decided we are going to talk Oscar and Space Ghost Coast to Coast. So these are two very different properties. They really, you know, it doesn't matter. They don't have anything to do, do with each other. We are going to recast an Oscar using actors of today. Mm-hmm. So we've got this uh, these two very interesting properties. Oscar came out in 1991. John, could you set our minds back? So before I do that, I just want to say uh, I've actually known Mike Poole since I was in middle school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, we went to middle school and high school together. Um and then I believe he also went to UGA as well. Yeah, he did. Sometimes I forget. Um, but uh, Mike Poole's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. So I'm so happy to, to see him on uh, as a patron and to be able to talk something that he is nostalgic for. Uh, the movie came out on April 26, 1991. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week was a song called You're in Love by Wilson Phillips. You're in It is I, not, it, I literally only know the one Wilson Phillips song, <laughs> so yeah. it's not that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings was a TV movie called Switched at Birth. Okay, sounds like a Parent Trap kind of thing. Um, I think it was. I think it was a, a like a pseudo oh, like documentary like, about like uh, a kid who is like two kids who were switched at birth. Like I, I think yeah. it was a, based on a real person. Is that one of those like like a Lifetime? I think it movies. was something. Yeah, yeah something like you know that. what? I'm, I, you know, like the face on the milk carton. I yeah. remember that. I, there were a couple of movies, like TV movies, that came out uh, around that yeah. time that that got a lot of traction and a lot of people uh-huh. saw them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I remember watching. And it wasn't this one. I remember watching one um, around that time. I think it was called "I Know My Name Is Michael." Okay. It was about a, a kid who was uh, kidnapped, and the only thing he could remember was that his real name was Michael or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, in video games, uh, one that had come out just a couple months before was Street Fighter Two. Oh, fantastic fighter game. I mean, I think like that one actually is like still, there's still like tournaments where people do like Street Fighter and mm-hmm. Street Fighter Two. I think even particularly. Yeah. I nice. was never big into Street Fighter, but I do kind of uh-huh. like those kind of, you know, side scroll or that sort of uh, fighting style, mostly because I just mash buttons and yeah, just, yeah. I was always partial to Mortal Kombat or, I was or yeah, Marvel vs. Capcom. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was something called "The Cirrus of Kell" by David Ebbings, not anyone I've ever heard. Yep. And my fun fact, Adam, you'll like this one, and I, you can tell me if this is apocryphal or not. Uh, apparently, Jason Alexander threatened to quit Seinfeld in the third season. After a table read of The Pen, which only features Jerry and Elaine, Alexander pulled Larry David aside and said, if you write me out again, 
do it permanently. And in nine season, that was the only one that he wasn't in. Yeah, we actually talked about that uh, when we discussed the pen episode uh, way back, back in the day. And yeah, Corey brought up that fact. And it was interesting. Yeah, exactly. And he was not happy that he was not in the episode. <laughs> I, but it was honestly a really good episode. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. That was 1991. All right. 1991. And now let's all take a blast from Mike's past. All right. Oscar 1991 directed by John Landis. We've talked about him recently when we discussed the movie Clue. He was a uh, writer on that film, but he also wrote and directed things like Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, Trading Places, Three Amigos. Uh, he directed that one as well. Like So mm-hmm. we know John Landis. We love John Landis. Yeah. Uh, this film is based on the Claude Magnier. Uh, Manier. Manier. I bet that's it. That's probably Manier. Yeah. Uh, Stage play uh, is a remake, actually, of a 1967 French film of the same name, uh, but this time it's set in Depression-era New York City, mobster style. Music by Elmer Bernstein. Uh, He did Wild Wild West, Canadian Bacon, Funny Farm, Three Amigos, Ghostbusters, Trading Places, Stripes, Airplane, American Werewolf in Paris. Sorry, American Werewolf in London, not Mm -hmm. the Paris one. So (laughs) I worked with Landis on multiple stuff as well. So a very good um, composer there. So before we go any further, I did ask Mike, why are we talking Oscar? So he recorded a little message to explain why we are talking this movie. Hey, Adam and John. Thank you so much for taking my request to do the movie Oscar. This is a movie that is near and dear to myself as well as my brother and sister. We've been quoting it regularly for 30 years now. I know it's probably not a very heavily requested film um, because most people have never even heard of it. And that's been the reaction I get my entire life. Whenever I mention this movie, they say, I've never even heard of that movie before. And that's a tragedy because this movie is is so well-written. It's so well-put-together. It's so quick-witted that I absolutely love it. I love the different storylines that go throughout the entire movie, whether it's the accountant with the black bag or the daughter who's trying to marry the chauffeur or the mobster who's trying to go straight while all this ridiculousness is happening to him. It's a really great film. We probably watch it every two to three years. I've probably seen it 30 to 40 times. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I hope you. Uh, I hope it inspires some other people to pick it up and watch it. All right, the cast for this film: Snaps Provolone. Uh, I I hated the last name Provolone. I'm not gonna lie. Every time they said it, I'm just like, it's a fucking cheese. Like that's just a st- like pick pick another like Italian last name, please. Right. But whatever. So Snaps Provolone is played by Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Rambo, over mm-hmm. the top, all the good stuff. Demolition Man. Yep. Allegedly, from what I read, this film was uh, proposed to Landis like in the early 80s, and it was totally different, not going to be, I don't think, exactly like this, but mm-hmm. like kind of like a duo remake. It was proposed to Landis to do with John Belushi as the star, I uh, but see of that. course he died, right? and so then it kind of got reworked, I think, into like a gangster film or whatnot, and Stallone was chosen. I also heard so- that Danny DeVito was considered... I saw that as well. I, yeah, I, I, it was interesting. I could see that. Honestly, I could totally see that. I mean, this was this was good Danny DeVito days mm-hmm. this time, you know? So, 
which actually, yeah, when I was looking through stuff, I looked at, I forgot that he was in The Rainmaker, uh, which is that John Grisham with Matt Damon oh, yeah. uh, movie. I really want to, I, now I want to go back and watch that because I don't think I ever have, and I think it should be good. I don't know why. I'm just in my head. I'm like, <laughs> I need to watch The Rainmaker. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so, all right. All right, sorry. little Danny DeVito love for everybody. Uh, Sophia is played by Ornella Muti. Uh, she was in Flash Gordon and then lots of Italian cinema. Hmm. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, the the wife of Snaps. Um, beautiful woman, uh, but I hadn't really seen her in anything else myself. Yeah. So uh, Lisa, though, had seen her in plenty of stuff. That is played by Marissa Tomei. That is the daughter of Snaps and Sophia, even though Marissa Tomei was only like nine years younger than the actress who played <laughs> her mother. Um, she was in, of course, by this time. or she, This is before, I think, My Cousin Vinny. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out and then uh, MC the MCU Spider-Man she was in the wrestler she's awesome yeah and an episode of Seinfeld so there you go <laughs> uh, Dr. Poole is played by the great Tim Curry uh, we just talked about him in Clue and Rocky Horror and he's been in it and legend yep awesome love the Tim Curry uh, even though it's <laughs> kind of a strange role this is kind of a strange movie mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that uh, little Anthony is played by Vincent Spano. He's been in plenty of stuff, but nothing else I recognized. Okay. Roxanne, the uh, other nanny, the later nanny, mm-hmm. um, who comes in much later into the film, is played by Linda Gray. She was uh, famously on Dallas for many, many years, and even they remade Dallas, and she was on that. So one of the main stars of that show. Okay. And Connie uh, is one of the kind of sidekick guys for Snaps, uh, played by Chaz Palminteri. Uh, he's very recognizable kind of character actor. He's in Usual Suspects, A Bronx Tale, mm-hmm. lots of stuff. And Aldo is played by Peter Reigert, or Reigert, uh, and he has been in The Mask, Animal House, and more recently, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And there's a lot of other people that we'll talk about when we get through them in the scene by this scene. This movie was a fucking who's who of character actors. I, you know, I kind of looked through a little bit of the IMDb, IMDb just to kind of get uh, kind of the people. Those are the people that we're going to be casting later. Right. And so I was looking at those. But once we were watching through it, I was like, holy shit, you're in this film and yeah. you're in this film. And so, yeah, it had a heck of a cast. Um, so that being spoken, we'd already heard Mike Poole's nostalgia for this film. What is John Spees's nostalgia for this film? Virtually none. Um, I was aware of it. Never saw it. This was my first time seeing it. I'm basically the same. I'm pretty sure I saw it once, maybe like two decades ago or more, and it didn't leave any impression on me to where I I think, honestly, I either saw bits of it on either like a TV or was at a friend's place. I can't remember, but I don't really remember much of anything about it. And so it's basically fresh to me. I do want to call out just because, uh, you know, he's he's a... Big fan of this film, Brian McClure, good mm-hmm. friend of the podcast, Brian McClure, has called out this also on Throwback Trivia, uh, you know, shameless plug for check out our trivia podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown. I asked, well, oh, what's your favorite uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone film? And he said Oscar. And I was taken aback because like, are you fucking kidding me? Between all of the, you know, Rambo and Rocky and Demolition Man and all the other really good stuff that he's done. He chose Oscar. So kind of, you know, it'll be very curious to see how two people not super nostalgic for this film. Think about it for some people like Mike and Brian, who are incredibly uh, nostalgic for it. Mm -hmm. So I do want to mention one little interesting fact that I saw about the movie. Uh, Apparently, uh, one night after filming wrapped, a fire destroyed several sets 
and many of the actors' trailers, including Tim Curry's trailer, destroyed the costumes, uh, 21 valuable vintage cars, because they were uh, set in 1931. Uh, Production had to be stopped for two weeks while they were remaking all the costumes and stuff, and a universal security guard uh, who was guarded, who was hired to guard the cars, admitted to setting the fire. So I wonder, I'm sure he got sued for a pretty penny or something. Mm. Um, but I thought that was just kind of interesting. I, there wasn't a good place to like insert that <laughs> right. into our discussion. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So, all right, let's go into our scene by scene breakdown. And we're going to start off, as I mentioned, we are set in 1990, 1931. Uh, we meet some gangster looking guys. Uh, we also meet Angelo, a.k.a. Snaps Provolone, and, you know, he gets his name because he snaps all the time and points to stuff or, you know, gangstery kind of style. He's going to see his father, a who's who of casting, played by Kirk Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty incredible. Uh, who is dying, and he is not happy with his son's with his son's job, if you will, uh, with his way of life. And he smacks the shit out of his son. <laughs> he's ashamed. He's ashamed of him. Um, ashamed that he's a gangster. He wants his son to become an honest man. And that's how he can atone kind of, you know, you know, after his death and, and kind of be become honest. And the father dies. Oh, speaking of another cast member, a pr- the priest is there kind mm-hmm. of as he's dying. Played by Don Amici. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we love him from uh, coming to America. Well, he's he was a he was a cameo in coming to America, trading places. Right. Is what we know him from. Cocoon so. as well, right? Uh, he was in Cocoon. Yes, exactly. Okay. He was definitely in Cocoon. No, no, no. Wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. I was. I got. I got it fixed up in my head against uh, batters not included. Oh. And those are those. It's old people movies, right? <laughs> and two, well, two of the same actors are in those movies. Jessica Tandy, right? And uh, uh, her husband. Oh I yeah, I forget his name. But um. All right. Now, I will say for this scene, John, I absolutely laughed when he was seemingly dead. And then as uh, Snaps is kind of about to head out, he pops back up, smacks him again and says. That's so you won't forget. That's so you won't forget. And then he actually like dies. (laughs) So this uh, this film was very much, uh, much more, much more comical than I kind of thought it would be or kind of remembered. So. Mm Uh, then we cut to some claymation title cards set to an Italian opera. Barbara Seville by Rossini. Okay, thank you. I was hoping you knew what that was. Yes. Because they said Figaro, Figaro. So I was like, oh, is this Marriage of Figaro? I don't fucking know. No, it was not the Marriage of Figaro, which is deceptive. Marriage of Figaro was written by Mozart, who is Austrian, not Italian. Italian. Yeah. Well, there we go. (laughs) So that's why we have you on the podcast. You know all your stuff. So, all right, we come out of our cards. One month later, the gangster uh, guys are. Um, you know, talking about that this is the day Snaps is going to go straight. So he's kind of been preparing and he's going to become a banker. Uh, we meet kind of intercut throughout some of this movie, a, a rival gangster named Vendetti. He has a man- manicure- manicurist working right beside him who is played by Arlene Sorkin. Mm-hmm. She was in uh, over 400 episodes of Days of Our Lives. But people like us, John, we remember her for her voice because she is Harley Quinn. Yeah. That's the Harley Quinn from uh, the Batman, the animated series, and, and so much stuff. So she's fantastic. 
And then one of his uh, kind of his informer guy, this guy, Five Spot Charlie, is played by the great Eddie Bracken, uh, <laughs> who I remember most from. He was the kind of eccentric owner of Rookie of the Year. Yes, that's exactly where I spotted him from. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I, it took me like five minutes while that was happening. I'm like, what? what is the name of that movie? I couldn't think of the name of the movie. Yeah. But yeah, that's ex- as soon yeah. as I saw it, I'm, I immediately went to that movie. He is also in Home Alone 2, uh, also with Tim Curry, I believe, in that one, uh, and just plenty of stuff. So, But basically, they're, you know, Vendetti, he's telling Vendetti about Provolone is you know going to go straight or whatever. They're just, they just think he's up to something. Mm-hmm. So Vendetti is going to try and keep an eye on him. Then we also meet these cops. These are kind of like some secondary characters. They just kind of pop in every now and then. I'm right. not going to talk about every scene that they pop in on, um, but they're, on, they're staking out Snaps' home because, of course, he's like a mob boss. And one of the cops there is played by Art LaFleur, who, John, we would recognize as the babe in the yeah, Sandlot. Absolutely. Also in um, Field of Dreams. Yeah. yeah. He, he must have like a, he was typecast as like dead baseball players <laughs> at that time because he was one of the ghost players in, in Field of Dreams. Yep. Uh, he was also in some other stuff like Cobra and The Blob and stuff like that. And their lieutenant, Lieutenant Toomey. Is Kurtwood Smith from the seventies, from that seventies show, and RoboCop? Uh, we've talked about him before. When I saw too, him so. on, I, when I saw him on, I went, "Do you know how to fly, Bobby?" Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that would have been awesome if we got that line. But yeah, we then meet uh, Little Anthony, who is Snaps' accountant, who needs to talk to Snaps immediately. And so Aldo make this whole deal about waking up Snaps, which really kind of amounted to nothing. Um, but he asks for a raise because he wants to get married. Um, he wants to get a raise from 400 to 1400 a month, which is quite the raise. They negotiate and whatnot, and Anthony reveals that he is going to promote, pro- propose to Provolone's daughter, that uh, he's in love with his daughter. Naturally, Snaps chokes him, <laughs> and uh, we find out they apparently met at Club 33, uh, which kind of sparked a little thing for me, because Club 33 is a like a famous kind of hidden club in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, that must have been a nod to that. That's my guess. Um, Snaps, of course, doesn't approve of this, but Anthony says he has money. Where did he get the money? He stole it from Snaps. He's very honest <laughs> yeah. right now. He continues to be honest, which, of course, pissing off Snaps and tells him all about how he did it and all this kind of stuff. And then he also tells him, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've made love to your daughter. So all of this is just pissing off Snaps right now. So, of course, he goes to talk to his daughter, Lisa, uh, and she does say that she wants to get married and wants to leave right now. So, yeah, we find out that she's ready to go, and she's also very whiny and cryy and because Snap's not allowing her out of the house and stuff like that. She's very, um, I don't know, I, I, I kind of hated Lisa. <laughs> she was annoying, especially at the beginning. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's the whole point, I'm sure. Uh, and then in come some suit makers into the house because, you know, he's trying to look like a banker. He wants to look nice. And both of the suit makers are fantastic people. One of them, one of the Finucci's is Martin Ferrero that we would all recognize as the uh, asshole lawyer mm-hmm. in Jurassic Park. And the other one is the great Harry Shearer, who is in Spinal Tap, Simpsons, Best in Show, tons of stuff. Yeah. So very cool. Wait, is he in Best in Show? Isn't he in Best in Show? I don't think so. I think he's in A Mighty Wind. Oh, then, yeah. So, yeah, sorry. Then only, only, I, don't, yeah, I, yeah. I only know this because I just showed Best in Show to my son. No, you're you're right. He's in A Mighty Wind, and I was just, I wasn't thinking. I was just like, oh, he's probably in that one because he's in other Christopher Guest. Right. Because Christopher Guest uses all the same stuff. Yeah. You're right. You're right. He is definitely in Mighty Wind because they got back 
together the Spinal Tap people, but they were folk singers. Right. It was all the same Spinal Tap guys, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but as folk singers. So, all right. Uh, we then meet some of the presumed bankers that he'll be working with. And the actors there are <laughs> recognizable. One of them played by Mark Metcalf, who um, we who was... As a Seinfeld guy, he is plays the maestro in Seinfeld, so I recognized him immediately as Bob Cobb, aka the maestro in Seinfeld. But he's also been in Animal House. You know, he was he was one of the asshole like deans or something. No, not that dean, but um, he was in Animal. He was one of the assholes in Animal House. He also uh, he was one of the main villains in early Buffy, the Buffy the Vampire oh, okay. Slayer show. He played the master, which is like this really old looking vampire. If you remember that, you I mean, we're actually going to get to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. I think, later this year. And I'm excited to rewatch that one because it's been a while yeah, same. since I've seen it. So, um, And then another one is William Atherton, uh, who, of course, we know from Ghostbusters and Die Hard. So just yes, you- it's true. This man has no dick. Thank you, Ghostbusters. Um, But yeah, like just this is just massive people that you recognize. But anyway, the bankers are very skeptical of him being a bank, a banker and all this kind of stuff and joining, you know, their board of directors. But they want his money. So, of course, (laughs) whatever. Uh, Lisa talks to Nora, the maid. Uh, Nora, the actress, it wasn't really anyone I recognized. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really in enough stuff that I saw. So not really, you know, noteworthy. But but. She's sad because she wants out of the house. She feels like she is just trapped and she's not allowed to do anything. She wants to explore. She wants to sail the seven seas or whatever she says and climb Mount Everest and whatever. (laughs) She wants to kind of get out of the house. Nora convinces her to tell her parents that she's pregnant because that will at the time say, okay, well, now you've got to marry the guy because you got pregnant. And so that will do it. That'll get you out of the house and all this kind of stuff. So, okay, there you go. So she does. And... Snaps, all right, all right, fine, he agrees, you know, reluctantly agrees for them to marry. Uh, Miss Teresa comes to the house to see Snaps, and she has fallen in love with Anthony. And she's trying to get some things straight because she apparently lied to Anthony, telling him that he that she is Snaps' daughter because she was trying to make it seem like she was a wealthy girl. Well, she is not. She is just a humble young lady uh and so now snaps is you know all upset and curious trying to figure out well who the hell is the father of my pregnant daughter because i thought it was anthony but now it's not uh so it's just like kind of madness is going on this is a this entire movie and the plot and the script for this entire movie i think can pretty much be summed up in the word miscommunication Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's his entire what well, this is. Now it's quick humor, miscommunication stuff, wacky things kind of coming from it. Then Sophia uh, comes home, uh, his wife. And so they're both talking to Lisa about like, okay, oh, so you're pregnant. You know, who's the father? And she says, Oscar, Oscar, the chauffeur, the name of the movie. He must be a very important character, John. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. That, uh, that actress who plays Teresa... Uh-huh. I'm just looking up. She'd done a couple of shorts, but this was her first movie. Mm-hmm. It showed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I realized yeah. there was a lot of over-the-top acting done in this. I, I understand, like, it worked for, like, the style of comedy that they were going for, so I, I can excuse mm-hmm. it. I'm sorry, but her acting was just awful. It's funny. I didn't particularly notice it, but I did 
really dislike some of Sylvester Stallone's acting. It just felt really off and, and just didn't didn't feel right to me on some of it. And so I guess I, I didn't because it felt like I like, well, it's just a lot of not great acting here in this film because and, and it is like the wacky humor. So maybe I let some of it slide. But I think you're, you know, thinking about it. Yeah, you're, you're probably dead on there. She just she honestly she was like a dead fish. Like yeah. just no any kind of emotion into a lot of her lines. Just sort of just say, I mean, I'm honest to God, I'm wondering who she was related to to get onto this yeah. movie. And she kept going, so I'm assuming she got better because she got more roles yeah. later. But yeah, man, from the get go, I was like, oh, she does not, she doesn't, she doesn't have the same mannerisms as everyone else. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like she's in the, she's from the same time. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she hasn't doesn't have a bunch of credits. Only thirty six. I mean, and she that's, stopped acting. That's thirty six and- more credits than I have, but. Yeah, yeah. I probably actually I probably have more credits than she does, but not in acting. But yeah, and nothing is very noticeable. I can't recognize really any of her stuff. So, uh, yeah, fair enough. She probably didn't didn't end up doing too much. So, all right. Anyway, snaps wants to go try to find this Oscar, of course, because uh, apparently he you know he left. Um, didn't didn't you know he hasn't been the chauffeur for a little bit. So we also very weirdly, Nora the maid has decided to quit because she's gonna go get married. To some guy, like uh, it's Underwood or some shit. I think it's um, it's his, his rival. His, one of his, it's not the Vendetti rival, it's a different no, rival. it's a different rival. It's a different rival. We don't, we never see that rival though. No. So yeah, but there's some, another rival. So, all right. Uh, Sophia's pissed because, you know, she wants Snaps to find her daughter, uh, a husband, ASAP. She's trying to make that happen. So Anthony comes back, all the money that he has stolen, or I guess we find out half of the money that he has stolen, he has <laughs> Put into jewels. He's got a bunch of jewels in this bag, the most common bag apparently in history, so that he's got right there to kind of prove that he is, you know, got the money to to marry the daughter with. So snaps, knowing who the actual daughter is and the not daughter, all this kind of wacky stuff tricks Anthony into getting uh, his money back so that he can do that, and then for and first get him to sign that he will marry his daughter because he wants Lisa to get married doesn't care about Teresa. And then Teresa tells Anthony that Snaps isn't her real father. And so now, you know, she leaves all upset because Anthony seems to care more about the money. And so Anthony's focused trying to get his money back and not be, you know, tied down to have to marry the real daughter of Snaps Provolone. So meanwhile, the cops and Vendetti are think they all think Snaps is up to something shit like that. So um, Anthony tries to get his money back, but Snaps convinces Anthony, that the Fenucci suit guys are assassins, which I thought was unnecessary. You have, mm-hmm. like, two thug guys right with you, and you have an, you know, intimidating profile. You could say, I'll just fucking kill you. I can kill you right here and there. Or, well, that's the thing. You could have your other guys kill you because he's trying to go straight. That's the whole thing because he's going straight, so he can't do it. But he plays off as these suit guys are assassins, and that ends up intimidating him. And so he will marry Lisa and then in a weird scene, Anthony starts playing the piano, and the Fenucci guys come over and start playing with him. I I hated that. It just came out of nowhere to me. Yeah. Whatever. It ended up being that there's just more miscommunication and shit like that. That is, Like I said, that is the word of this film. Uh, Snaps introduces Lisa to Anthony. They talk, and they don't hit it off. You know, so it's not seemingly going to be a good relationship. And then we meet Dr. Poole, as we said. Played hello. By, hello, Sorry. Dr. Poole. Tim Curry, who is this guy who is giving 
Snap's uh, elocution lessons. He's teaching him how to, you know, etiquette, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, and how to speak properly. Anthony, you know, talks to him. So Anthony tries to convince him that, that Lisa is in love with him, and he should and he should marry her instead. And she kind of agrees to that, and talks to Snaps about it, and he agrees to that. So, weirdly, that's going to potentially be a thing. So... <laughs> So he talks. So Snaps talks to Doctor Poole for his lessons, and I'm running through all this kind of stuff because there is just a, I mean, like a lot of comedies. I don't feel like a good breakdown is the right thing because it's not. Most comedies aren't about like this plot point and that plot point. There's a lot about like the lines, the writing, how things are kind of like you know paced, um, stuff like that, and that is exactly I think where a lot of the humor in this film comes from. Mm-hmm. So I'm not doing it much justice as I talk about it. So Nora comes in. And here's more wacky bag-swapping miscommunication. Anor comes in to swap bags with the one, because there was one that she had her bag in, uh, swapping one with jewels. And so she now has the jewels, and her bag is the one that's there. Snaps convinces Poole to marry his daughter, and he's going to give him jewels as payment. But because he now has the wrong bag, he pours out all these jewels, thinking that they're going to be jewels, and it's women's underwear. Ha ha ha, it was Nor's bag. Weirdly filled with women's underwear. <laughs> Snaps makes a call uh, to the driver to bring Nora back to swap bags. And one of the biggest issue I have with <laughs> some of this movie is a lot of the stuff can be solved. Is If the second you get the bag, just pop it open. Yeah. <laughs> take a look. Like that, that would solve a lot of the issues in this film. Like it's not hard. If you're yeah. actively knowing you need to check a bag, just, just check it. Don't just... Swap it out. When Stallone finally does open one of the bags to check that it's what he thinks it is, I was uh-huh. like, why haven't you been doing this the whole time? Exactly. Exactly. And of course he does it at the time, you know, in a little bit when he actually has what he needs. But that's all all part of the comedy, John. So mm-hmm. uh, Poole and Lisa have some tea and talk and realizing they thought the other was in love with them, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do end up kind of connecting on possessive parents because Poole has a mother that, you know, is very possessive, apparently. So uh, then Anthony comes in, snaps thinking he has the bag with the underwear, but actually having the bag with the jewels. And then he wants to swap things back for the cash that Anthony just brought back. And so now here's where he checks the bag and he's actually got the money. And Anthony's actually got the jewels like he thought, but snaps think he gave him the underwear. Also, all these things have different weights, and that pisses me off. There is no fucking way a bag of jewels weighs the same as a bag of underwear, or even a bag of cash. Like, none of them are going to be similar. They're all going to be pretty significantly different. So that, not going to lie, that was a bit of a sticking point. (laughs) So, all right, but uh, Anthony leaves with all the jewels, and Oscar has his money, and he um, gives uh, that bag to Connie, to watch he's like all right connie you gotta watch this bag uh sophia has hired a new maid apparently so we'll find out what happens from that and connie leaves um or is is watching the bag but steps away from it because a weird thing that they kind of has a running gag he's apparently he's a big softy and he loves seeing people in love and so he gets distracted by that so Okay, so he is seeing Poole and Lisa getting along, and he's distracted. So meanwhile, while that's happening, a driver comes back with the bag that got swapped because there was, I guess, other miscommunication with the Underwood people or whatever. And so now they re-swap bags, um, or Aldo goes in and swaps it 
with the ones that actually has jewels with the one that has underwear in it. And then, <laughs> so it's kind of, man, this movie is partly, what's that, that where you put the ball in the cup and you spin it all around? Oh, yeah. Like that, that yeah, that street game. Mm-hmm. This is basically that <laughs> in movie form. So uh, Poole asks for Lisa to join him in Brussels because he's got a conference there that he wants to go to. And she, of course, as we know, wants to travel, wants to do things. Snaps is excited that they're going off and he is going to give them money. You know, him knowing that his bag was full of money is going to dump it out for them. But it's underwear again, John, because it got swapped around. <laughs> yep. Hilarity. Teresa comes back to the house. Uh, Aldo admits to giving... Aldo admits that he swapped bags and all this other kind of shit. And so Snaps now knows what's going on. Uh, and he's going to... What happened? He's going to call Underwood to swap things back again. Teresa wants Anthony back, and who is now... At the house, she doesn't. They don't know each other's at the house, but whatever. Anthony uh, gives back the jewels because apparently for him life is meaningless without Teresa, and they embrace, and so they're in love. And then the new maid comes in, Roxanne. Coincidentally, she worked for the same person that Snaps worked for. They recognize each other. Not only do they know each other and recognize each other, she was the person who took his virginity. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> and we find out that, oh, she got pregnant. And she didn't want to stay in that dangerous job while being pregnant. And holy fuck, she's obviously, you knew where this was going. Yeah. She's the actual mother of Teresa. And so Teresa is actually Snaps' daughter. Along with this whole thing of, like, you know, uh, him being, you know, not my, not the real daughter. This whole, again, all of this wackiness from before. Sophia comes in, of course. Snaps has to hide all this madness. Uh, so Roxanne and Snaps... Tell Teresa that he's the father. Lisa and Poole come in too, and they're going to get married. This is all wacky, but lovely. Everyone's in love, and it's crazy. Then the bankers come over to see Snaps, and Five Spot informs Vendetti about stuff is going down, bringing up this other rival person, O'Banion, who they think he is going to be, you know, Snaps is teaming up with. Just some other person. I don't Mm -hmm. even fucking know. Um, And then the bankers and... Provolone are talking about joining the board, but the cops also think shit is going down, and so they bust in, but they get things so confused, thinking that the bankers are these O'Banion people. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Nora comes in and swaps the bags again. (laughs) So more shit is fucking getting swapped, and the cops want to see what's in this bag, and oh shit, this might actually, you know, ruin things for for snaps, because, you know, they're seeing this bag going around and around Mm -hmm. everywhere. And they open it, and it's the woman's underwear again. Oh. <laughs> Saw that a mile away. Yep. These news reporters make fun of the cops for, you know, not catching anything. I absolutely recognized one of the news reporters that was right outside the door as Marshall Bell. Uh, we would recognize him at, from Total Recall. He was the um, the guy who had Quato on him. Oh, uh, yeah. He was, he was like the human kind of guy. Uh, he was also in Starship Troopers. That's, You'd recognize yeah, him. Yeah, that was, I was trying to immediately. I'm like, okay, what else have I remembered? Yes. That, was, that was absolutely it. Yep. Uh, and so uh, Vendetti is on the way to hit the place, but instead of hitting the place, they accidentally crash into the cops who are leaving, you know, in that hecticness. And so they get taken in. All this hectic stuff aside, Snaps hires Anthony to be his, like, CFO, and he's going to be back to being a gangster. Sorry, fodder. (laughs) He's just, (laughs) he tried. And we get a dual wedding with Teresa and Anthony, and then also Lisa and 
Dr. Poole are getting married. Why pay for two weddings when you can just knock it out with one? There you go. Well, both daughters at the same time, yep. you know? And then, of course, there's confusion. What? Both daughters? And all wacky hijinks. Um, but during the wedding, in comes Oscar to uh, uh, protest against Lisa getting married. Stop! Who are you? I'm Oscar. He was that chauffeur uh, who we couldn't find before. He was like at the in the war where he was, mm-hmm. he was enlisted or some shit like that. But Snaps just takes him away. Yeah. And that's, that is the entirety of Oscar in the film. And it was played by uh, Jim Mulholland, who was one of the writers. Oh, okay. But okay. here's what gets me. Oscar looked pretty young, didn't he? Yeah. Jim Mulholland's been a writer since 1968. Oh, wow. He did. I mean, he looked like a kid. Yeah. So I don't know if it was makeup or what, but because uh, I was looking it up, because this is like his own real, like he had one other acting credit on a show that he wrote for. Yeah. I think he wrote on the on Carol Burnett's show. Okay. Mostly, I think he was mostly known as a writer for um, uh, David Letterman. Oh, very he, cool. He actually wrote on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, then he was one yeah. of David Letterman's writers for a long time. So, but in my head, I'm like, oh God, how old is this guy? I mean, if he's, if he's been writing since 68, that means he's already in his probably 40s by this point. He looked really young. He did. I mean, because Marissa Tomei is probably playing. Lisa's probably like an 18, 19 year old, is right. my guess. And he looked right in that aspect, like maybe yeah. even younger. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, I like I said, this is a comedy, and this is a comedy where pacing and dialogue and wackiness all ensues, and mm. it's it's kind of doesn't do a great job of me. Uh, breaking that down so i apologize if anybody hated that <laughs> breakdown sorry mike if you just if you hated that <laughs> but it's kind of hard to follow with some of the stuff it's right. like, you know i didn't because i don't want to say every single line right i don't want to talk about every single cut um because then that would just be too fucking long oh we do get uh the credits with uh clips of people yep. always appreciate that yep so john let's start things off with your thoughts on oscar okay so we watched this uh, as a family. Actually, I last night I made dinner and I said, "All right, well, we're gonna watch this." Because at first I had to double check, make sure it was you know PG. But then I remember mm-hmm. Mike saying he watched it as a kid. I'm like, "Oh, it's probably okay." Of course, nope. I say that, and I remember watching movies <laughs> when I was a yeah. kid that I shouldn't have been watching. Um, so that's what we, we did. Um, and my wife had seen it before. In fact, about ha- about a third of the way through the movie, the it started to come back to her what was about to happen. So she uh, started predicting lines which can be annoying but (laughs) in the end i mean i think she already watched it as a kid so i think she already liked it both of my kids actually really liked the movie Uh, after we finished dinner they sat down and finished watching the movie with us without any issues um i think they actually found it pretty funny okay so i think they really and i actually asked them i said did you like it and they both said yeah we loved it so for me i had it in my head that this was just going to be absolutely awful it wasn't horrible. There were a lot of funny moments. Um, I do feel like a, it was way too long for what it was trying to accomplish, and a lot of stuff could have been cut out. Um, it was just unnecessary. It was about an hour and 50 minutes or close to that was the runtime. Um, yeah. That could have been made a lot tighter, and some of the jokes were a little unnecessary. I don't ever see myself watching this again willingly, but... It had it had funny moments. It had over the top stuff. I didn't mind Sylvester Stallone's acting, which is a weird thing to say. It it got kind of a it was it was a meh for me. I'm really glad that your kids loved it. I think 
if we would have seen this when we were younger, we probably would have similar thoughts to like Mike and whatnot, because it is wacky and yeah. fun. And, and if I could have just kind of separated and just kind of watched it when I was younger, I think I would have dug it more. Right. Things that I like about this film, things that it had really things going for it. Obviously, overall, an awesome cast. And the adult in me was like, damn, they're in this and they're in this. Yeah. Awesome. The quick wit or like the quick. I wouldn't say it's very witty. This is not a wit humor. <laughs> this is a farcical kind of slap, almost slapsticky at times. Not quite there, but right. the fast paced, fast dialogue, fast miscommunication, crazy things going on. I like that type of humor. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, it's not unlike Clue. Right. You know, there are I, I connected things, you know, maybe. You know, too much with John Landis and Tim Curry being associated with both. But still, I think there were enough aspects that there were some similarities on their styles. Watching it now as an adult, I think, is what hurt it for me. I just didn't connect with a lot of the film where some of it I was just like, eh, it was just okay with stuff. I didn't dislike it, not Mm -hmm. by any means. Mostly, I saw this film has potential. It had potential if I would have seen it younger, I would have liked it more. And I think also has potential for a remake. So rewatching or watching this really for the first time, I would say, has gotten me more excited for what this kind of thing can be again. If someone did this type of stuff, this humor, mm-hmm. I think it fits very well. And so, uh, you know what? This is not going to get a, it's not going to get a thumb sideways. It's not going to get a thumb straight up. I'd say maybe like a 30 degree ish <laughs> up thumb for me, you know, slightly above average, but just like the most slight that you can get. Okay. All right. Now we're going to move on to the TV show Space Ghost Coast to Coast. It aired from 1994 to 1999 on Cartoon Network, then again brought back from 2001 to 2004 on Cartoon Network in their Adult Swim block, and then the final two seasons were on GameTap, which is an online video game service from 2006 to 2008, 11 seasons, 108 episodes. Uh, This is an animated talk show format, um, and it's kind of hosted by the reimagined version of the 1960s Hanna-Barbera cartoon character space ghost and i did also ask mike Poole why did he choose space ghost coast to coast so i was introduced to space ghost coast to coast through my brother and his friends who were into a lot of the more slapstick comedy type routines uh like mystery science theater 3000 and uh whose line is it anyway and kids in the hall this show kind of blended two things that I loved. Number one was comedy. Number two was classic cartoons. And I actually remember the original Space Ghost cartoons that I saw as a little, little kid on the uh, rotation of of classic 60s and 70s cartoons on Saturday morning. That combined with a talk show just was absolutely brilliant and perfect. And the characters that go along with it, whether it's Zorak, the co-host who's always trying to kill Space Ghost, or Brack, who's kind of the oafish guy off to the side, or Moltar, the, the producer, director, um, th- this show was, was really well done, really well put together, and absolutely hilarious. Uh, we'll run through our cast real quick. Space Ghost is voiced by George Lowe. 
Greetings, I'm Space Ghost. Joining me on this show, rap artist Schooly D and funny man Weird Al Yankovic. Say hi to the band, they're right over there. He has had smaller parts in things like Robot Chicken and Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but Space Ghost is really what he's known for. Zorak, voiced by C. Martin Croker. Same thing for him. Um, he did also voice Moltar in the show. How about I come out at the beginning of every show and hit you upside the head with a hammer? I'd watch that show. And light your teeth on fire and puncture your eardrums with golf tees until your spinal fluid leaks out. Thank you, Moltar, but... Can I do the hammer part? You can do the lighting his teeth on fire part. What? No, I do the hammer. I do the hammer. You always do the hammer. I'm the hammer. Me. Zorak is the hammer. Zorak is the hammer. Uh, Brack was voiced by Andy Merrill. Here's a lovely song about my favorite food. Lima, Lento, Zoy, and Pinto, Navy, Northern, and Garbanzo, Kidneys, and Frijoles, Negros. I love beans. I love beans. Woo woo woo. He also did stuff in Aqua Teen Hunger Force and some other small things, but Brack is his main voice. And uh, way too many celebrities. I mean, this is a talk show. Right. They had celebrities come on and interview them. So I'm not going to talk about a bunch of them or really any of them because there's a fuck ton. And so <laughs> this is exactly the style. So did you ever watch the old Space Ghost Hanna-Barbera stuff? I'm sure I did because I watched a lot of those old uh, cartoons. I, I I saw a ton of those old um, Hanna-Barbera stuff, uh, a lot of the Looney Tunes stuff. A lot of that stuff was, was always on reruns uh, when I was younger. So I you know, I've seen most of that stuff. I don't think I ever particularly connected with Space Ghost. So when this show came out, I had no real tie or love for it. I saw maybe a few episodes here and there, but it was never a show where, like, if it was on, I'm like, oh, I have to watch this. Uh, for, for Coast to Coast? Coast to Coast, yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and for me, I didn't really have any connection whatsoever uh, to the old, old Space Ghost, but I definitely had seen or, you know, when I was younger, watched some episodes of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Not mandatory viewing for me, but if I was up late during like the Adult Swim section or or just kind of came across it, I definitely seen it. I do, you know, I, as a kid, I will say Brack was probably my favorite when I was younger because mm-hmm. Brack. Brack was silly, and he talked all crazy, and that's the terrible Brack impression, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Right. Um, but he was kind of like the the more the most ridiculous, and he even had a spinoff. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But so yeah, I, I had it enough in my nostalgia. I really did like the theme song for this show. I thought it was, I thought it, I, for whatever it is, it's actually in one of the theme songs that like I did like a theme song, like Napster run in like the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And this was one that I downloaded and I, it's on my theme song lists. Uh, honestly, it really did nothing for me. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I like it. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, this show, there is no such thing as plot uh, on, on the show. It is, it is a talk show. Right. It is a parody talk show where they bring people in 
but they don't even really focus on them. It's never not once is it really focused on the celebrities. It's always wackiness that's going on with Space Ghost and Zorak and Moltar or Brack and other weird shit. Literally mm-hmm. weird shit. And like they ed- it's it's like that those fake interviews where they're kind of edit them and intercut stuff. Yeah. That I'm like half the time I'm like are you guys, when you guys interview these people, I'm kind of curious, I really should have looked up the process right. on how they edit these and how they record these interviews because half the time it's like they could be asking them whatever kind of questions and then they'll edit in the, literally they write and edit right. in the comedy afterwards. I figured that's what they were doing because that's, that's exactly what it seemed like. Like they'll yeah. just interview them and get some silly answers out of them and then just rewrite it to make it even more silly. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. So, um, I remember Space Coast did lots of blasting. <laughs> he would always take <laughs> his little armed thing and shoot mostly Zorak. You forgot to pack something. Huh? What? This Destructo Ray. <laughs> uh, no thanks. Oh, I think you need this Destructo Ray. Uh. Or guests sometimes, things like that. I do think this show, and I don't know... Mike Poole, uh, what your preferences are. I think the show appealed to potheads uh, <laughs> and pretty heavily and, and other kind of, you know, other people maybe at least with like that very ridiculous, nonsensical sense of humor. I can see that. So spinoffs on the show, uh, Brack. He had the Brack show that ran from 2000 to 2007. Mm. Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Uh, it actually kind of was a was a spinoff, and it actually took like the same concept of old cartoon hero doing a different job kind of thing. Right. I actually think I remember liking a tr- B- Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law better than Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Um, I didn't watch any episodes for this because maybe we'll get to it down the line, mm-hmm. probably far down the line. Sea Lab Twenty Twenty One was another spinoff of this one, and actually Aqua Teen Hunger Force was also a spinoff of this show. So, uh, some of those heavy adult cartoon um and a, a, a Cartoon Network very popular shows came from this show. So that's all I got, John. <laughs> I don't really have. There's nothing else really to talk about, right? That I can that I can think of. Um, I rewatched one episode for this. I actually watched the pilot. So all the episodes were like they're like in that ten minute. They were like usually ones where they would play two of the episodes back to back for a full right. thirty minutes. They're, you can watch all of them on HBO Max right now. Yeah, and they're all like a 10, 11 minute thing. So it's a pretty easy easy watch. Yeah. Just you know, to watch a couple here and there. I was able to watch one, and then I just I ran out of time with other stuff I had to mm-hmm. do. It was exactly kind of the way I remembered the goofy humor. Probably would have appreciated it more as a kid, which is probably why I watched it on occasion. It was fine. Uh, the first episode was not great, but the first episodes of a lot of shows are never great. So I'd try I tried. I watched some of it too. The voices, the voices were off. Yeah. Uh, in that first one, not quite, not quite there. So I'm sure it got better because I mean, if it runs for a while, it's obviously going to get some some traction with the audience. So I think it's a funny ass idea, mm-hmm. and I think it worked probably really really well, you know, for the '90s and and clearly into the 2000s. I'm kind of lukewarm on it just because I myself never really had a tie to it. Um, I can see where that what they were going for and, and appreciate it. Okay. And so I, I think if uh, I, I'm sure if if there's a really funny episode out there that I found, I'm sure it would be great. That's kind of where I'm leaving at there. Yeah, it depends on probably the the, the guests. The guests have to do you know if you care about the guests or you recognize them or right. something, that'd be really helpful. I mean, that's how it is uh, with uh, most talk shows. If, if I don't give yes. a shit about the guests, I'm like, All right, well, <laughs> maybe I'll watch the monologue and I'll flip to something else. 
Yeah. So I watched three episodes. I watched that pilot and was upset that some of the voices were off and things just didn't feel right. So I skipped up to like uh, seasons, I think like three, I watched one and maybe it was like season five or six. I watched another. Definitely. I remember that ridiculous humor stuff that just comes out of nowhere. And it's just kind of like a lot of the comedy created, like I said, yeah, in post um, or in, in writing or editing afterwards. Uh, I definitely do. Li- I like that stuff when I was younger, mostly. And it's, weirdly, it said like it was is on Wikipedia. It was written as a or it said it's an adult cartoon. It didn't feel like adult no. cartoon. It felt like it's late teen to young adult. Like I think there's literally I think there's a cap. Yeah. At this one, and it's like probably twenty five. After you're after max. you're out of college. After you're out of college, and you kind of finally start like <laughs> becoming a little bit more of an adult. Stop smoking uh, weed so much. Exactly. <laughs> Lots of weed. Um, I'll honestly say I didn't think it was funny anymore. Mm. I actively actually didn't care for it. Watching it now as a 36-year-old. Right. Not to say I didn't like it for its time or back when I was younger. I think it just doesn't appeal to me anymore. I respect it. Similar to how you said it, John. You nailed it on the head. I respect it for what it was when it was. Mm-hmm. But now I... I will probably actively not watch the show again. Do you think it would be funny if it was rebooted to a more adult audience? I I mean, I love adult comedy, I mean, adult cartoons and stuff like that. If you throw in some bad language and some, you know, some better adult situations and like some of that comedy, I actually think that, yeah, I do think that would fit in today's society where... Adult cartoons have gone way farther than they used to <laughs> right. in the 90s and early 2000s that I I feel like I could appreciate it if they also took it up a notch. Right. Absolutely. Cool. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Okay, I have a mid time to get another roast out of the... Look. It's Arby's new Italian beef and provolone. Volare. Whoa, 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 whoa. The oven goodness of beef, roasted right in the store so it's juicy, not greasy, then marinated in Italian seasonings on a soft baguette. Canta. Okay, okay, I'll stop. Try Arby's new Italian beef and provolone. What are you eating today? All right, now we're going to do the casting portion of the show as we mentioned at the top mike asked us to recast oscar and mike actually sent in his own casting Woo, how awesome yeah very cool so we'll uh we'll read that along and so the characters we are going to do will be snaps provolone sophia who is his wife lisa the daughter dr pool little anthony uh roxanne connie and aldo he sent uh we just heard from him earlier but he also put this little message in the thing that he sent me so i'm going to read this in uh, below is my recasting for Oscar. As I mentioned before, I liked the original movie for what it was and wouldn't reboot it per se. Rather, I would reset the movie to 1980s Miami and have Snaps Provolone be a Colombian drug lord looking to go straight. Okay. So, that's, so he did that, col- he's a Colombian drug yeah, lord. Yeah, so he switched, uh, he switched the, the situation up a little bit uh, for this one. I also switched the situation up a little bit. I did not do gangster style. Oh. I made mine a David Gordon Green film. Uh, You would know his stuff. He did Eastbound and Down, uh, Righteous Gemstones recently, the uh, Vice Presidents, or sorry, Vice Vice Principals, Principals, and Pineapple Express. So mine has actually become 
a weed comedy okay. kind of film uh, where there's, you know, that, a weed seller. I kept mine as an Italian gangster film, so we're going to have okay. three completely different uh, uh, castings here. Oh, shoot. Did he do some extra characters? He did in a character that was not in the original list that he sent me. Okay. I'm going to guess Nora? Uh, no, it was actually Lieutenant Toomey. Oh, okay. He, he, they're barely in it. Like All the cops are barely in it, but cool. Let's, let's hear what he said. Okay. The role is mostly a bit role, but reoccurring throughout the movie. I think it lends itself well to a cameo-type casting, and I like a good throwback. Since he has done a lot of detective roles, I would cast, cast Chaz Palminteri, formerly Connie, from the original. Oh, interesting. I, I'm cool with that. Yeah. That guy That guy literally is either playing a criminal or a cop yeah. in like everything I've seen him in. Well, you know, if you get paid for it, then yeah. whatever. If, if you, is, you know, who cares if you get typecast as long as you're constantly getting paid? As long as you're cast. Right. The important word is cast. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and start uh, with Aldo, and we'll hear yours first, Adam. Sure. Uh, so Aldo and Connie being the kind of wacky sidekicks who uh, help promote all the miscommunication and stuff. Um, one actor who was in every single one of those Dor- David Gordon Green things that I mentioned, I think he is a great kind of not main guy. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he is great main when he need to be, but... He's awesome, I think, even better as like a right next to the main side, side to the to the dude, and he's very funny. I went with Danny McBride as my Aldo. Okay. Uh, Danny McBride's a funny guy. I've, I've seen a lot of stuff. I'm No problems with that, especially for like an Aldo character. The cast for like, you know, the things that I mentioned, they, they stick to the same people, mm-hmm. and so it's going to be fairly <laughs> obvious, I think, that, you know, the names that I'm going to say. Right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, as I mentioned, I did stick with the, I'm sticking with the original setting, everything. Okay. Uh, so I went with a uh, actor who, for the most part, uh, where needed, stuck with Italian American actors where I could find them. Um, so I went with a guy who's uh, been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, you would probably most know him for uh, his first couple of roles. Uh, one was in Hook, and the other was as I believe Doogie Hauser's best friend. Um, oh. His name is James Matteo. Okay. Remember, remember that, that he was in that? He was definitely in Hook. Yeah. He is definitely, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure he was Do- uh, uh, Doogie Hauser's best friend. Yeah. I mean, I don't rem- I mean, I haven't seen him in a long time. Uh, he's been in, he was in Jersey Boys. Dude's still uh, been acting. He's still out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's still been doing stuff. I'm pretty sure that is. Pretty yeah, Doogie Hauser. Oh, he's only in one episode of Doogie Hauser. Okay, then maybe That's I thought. Right. Yeah, maybe I'm. But seeing... he does. But he has a similar look to that guy. Okay, I feel, I've definitely seen this dude. So he was in okay. Band of Brothers. Cool so yeah, he's got some yeah. other stuff on him. I'm cool with that. Okay. Uh, all right, and then let's uh, let's get Mike's pick. Um, you know what? He kind of did that as a pair. So I'm gonna wait to read that okay. until we read the next one, uh, which is Connie. Sure. I'll go ahead and start. I just picked another uh, Italian American actor who I like, and I kind of I went kind of nostalgic with a lot of this stuff. And uh, this guy had a has a big comeback with uh, Cobra Kai. I went with Ralph Macchio. Okay, I'm cool with that. I like Ralph Macchio. I like Cobra Kai. I I, I dig him. I dig this stuff. Cool. He's actually I mean I like him in that one, but he's probably one of my least favorite characters in the show. Weirdly enough, even though he's like the star or oh, he's a you know one of the stars right. but but i do i do like him i do like rap Macho, so that's good okay all right what was your pick okay. uh another david gordon green actor who's in all the pretty much everything that i had mentioned he's awesome as a side character as well and i think he'd be a great connie 
Craig Robinson. Oh, okay. Craig Robinson and Danny McBride as my as my pair. Okay. I like that. That, that funny that side fits. guys. You know, I'm looking at my picks, the more I think about the characters of Connie and Aldo, I think I should probably switch them. I think I should have okay. had Machio as Aldo and Matteo as Connie. Sure, sure, sure. But sure. the little dumb I mean, Connie's. I think Connie was a little bit right. dumber. Not, so not think, to yeah, say James yeah. Matteo is dumber, but no, that's yeah. I can't. I can't see that with with Machio though. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm gonna write. Uh, Mike said uh, for me, these two are a pair. They have a lot of play off of each other, and they are the most comedic of the grouping. However, as gang enforcers, they also have to be able to play off a bit of intimidation, and so for those. He picked Luis Guzman and Michael Pena. Uh, I think that fits. Yeah. I think, and so his Colombian uh, drug lord stuff, I think absolutely that fits. Yeah, uh, both. Uh, Luis Guzman often plays intimidating characters, but i also seen him play some really good comedic characters. Yes, absolutely. So you know that dude's got range. I have no issues at all with that pick. Yep, I like it a lot, actually. Cool. Uh, all right, Roxanne. Roxanne! I didn't say that once. No. We had to do that. Because <laughs> it hurts my throat. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and read Mike's pick for this one. It says, this is a small role, but crucial since it creates a lot of the confusion around little Anthony's character. I would want her to be a little innocent and naive. I would cast Isabella Merced, most known for her role in Dora the Explorer. She has a few oh. more years under her belt now and I think would be a good one for the role. Hold, I sure. think he meant Teresa. I think Elizabeth Elmer said there's no way he meant Roxanne. I think I agree. I think you meant Teresa with Roxanne. Uh, because oh, she's way, my first thought was she's way too young. <laughs> so we're going to make the assumption that you meant Teresa, which we didn't cast, which I was surprised was I, not on the list. So yes, I was absolutely, th- I was like, wow, no Nora, nor you chose Roxanne over Nora and Teresa. Okay. <laughs> So I, I, I'm going to assume that you meant Teresa, um, which we didn't cast, so I'm not going to bother trying to look for someone. One As Teresa, yes, I absolutely think that's a that's a perfect, I'm fine with that pick. Yeah, she is very innocent looking. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen Dora the Explorer. It it's was, not my, I saw it because my yeah. daughter, yeah, wanted to go see it. It was surprisingly entertaining. It was clearly for kids, um, okay. but it was still kind of fun, exciting. I didn't you know i didn't hate myself after i walked out of it like i've done with some kids movies (laughs) that's good looking at you alvin and the fucking chipmunks oh no they have the squeakle Uh, squeakle is is no i refused to see the squeakle after my kids dragged me to the first one yeah and then they have i think they had like a christmas one too something like i don't know yeah Uh, all right well then let's go ahead and say our roxanne's uh adam who was yours all right, well, Roxanne being the older, the mother of Teresa, um, I wanted an older lady. And also, I kind of got the vibe from the film that she was a little bit older uh, as well than Snaps. Um, because I always imagine she would kind of be like in her 30s while he was like turning 18 or something. He was young and she was kind of like in that age range. And so she took his virginity. That's what I, I took from it. Maybe I thought about this actress in Devious Maids, but I also I know she does comedic stuff. And so for this maid role, I know her best as Carla on Scrubs, but she can be very sensual and also very good comedic actress. I went with Judy Reyes. Love that pick. Love that pick. Yeah. Good. Good looking lady. She's funny. She's awesome. She can definitely do it. Yeah. Uh, I went, uh, with, uh, again, an actress who has, uh, Italian descent. I think she's like half Jewish, half Italian, which, uh, anyone with a Jewish mother or Italian mother just seems like it's just the different size of the same coin. 
I went with Rachel Bilson. Okay. All right. Yeah. Small cameo That's part. I mean, she, Rachel Bilson looks young. She is old enough. She's actually only six months younger than I am. Oh, yeah. 80. Wow. She definitely, she absolutely has a younger face than you would think. I would not think that she's pretty much your age. Yeah. Because you look way older, John. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the beard. Yeah. Yeah. She would look weird with the beard. I think I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to Little Anthony. All right. And I'll start us off. I actually kind of didn't necessarily reach for the Italian-American with this one, but I wanted somebody who looked young. He's not exactly young. He's I think he's close to my age, but he still kind of has that young baby face, and I could see in something like this. I went with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He, yeah, he's definitely, I think he's my age, Okay, but he, he looks way better than I do <laughs> and he looks younger than I am. Uh, yeah, I am. Cool. No, no, he's oh, same age as Rachel, Rachel Bilson. Okay. He's born in 81, but he does look way younger and he has that kind of smart accountant look to him. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I'll so. go ahead and read, uh, Mike's here. Uh, the accountant who is brazen enough to steal from a crime lord needs to look the part of the accountant, but also believable when he tells the crime lord that he did it and wants to marry his daughter. Any number of A-list actors would do well in the role, especially with the resetting. I would want a yuppie-looking actor who would have a college <laughs> frat boy look to him. He went with Bradley Cooper. I do not like that. I, I hate to say it, Mike, but I agree with Adam on this one. I... Brad, maybe Bradley Cooper ten years ago, maybe. Yeah, but I, I don't, I don't think so now. Now, now, not in the Colombian era, but I think Bradley Cooper would be a much better snaps, honestly, or something like that. I, I don't, I don't see him. I, as I actually Anthony. did consider him for my snaps, actually, as well. Okay, um, I didn't pick him, yeah. but yeah, I hate to say it, Mike. I don't think either of us like this one, <laughs> like this pick. Yeah, nope. Uh, all right. So. Dr. Poole. Uh, my oh, Anthony, yeah. Real we got to go to you. Sorry. Yep, not a problem. Not a problem. It's getting confusing. We got an extra one in here. Yep. And you're you're reading two of them. So, um, yeah. So, somebody I had to pick around. I wanted the same similar-ish age range to my Lisa because um, that's where I felt they was going to have that and um, that, that love triangle, if you will, uh, Lisa and Teresa and et cetera, et cetera. So, I wanted a actor who I know has played kind of smart stuff before because little Anthony is very smart. And also have good comedy chops, as this is a comedy film. I have used this actor before because I love the show Blackish. I went with Marcus Scribner, uh, who plays the uh, oldest son, Andre, on that show. Okay. I've only ever seen a couple of episodes. I, saw, I watched like the first couple of episodes and then just kind of fell off. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know him. I mean, if you if you don't watch that show, you probably won't know him. Don't know him in anything else. Yeah, okay. I mean, he did a voice on the Good Dinosaur and some yeah. other stuff, but like he Blackish is his thing. Yeah, I got nothing bad to say. I don't really okay. know him, okay. um, but he's on a long running series, so I know he's got enough, uh, and it's a comedic one, so that could mm-hmm. work just fine. I'm fine with that. Okay, so I'm taking uh, fine with that. Okay, all right, uh, Doctor Paul. You know what? Let's just let's just pick an order let's go you and then me and then i'll okay. read mics and we're just gonna keep that for the rest of it so i don't <laughs> sure. get confused all right dr pool uh you kind of have to have some some wacky i'd say slightly definitely older character i looked thoroughly into the well of david gordon green because he like i said he will be my actor or my director for this one uh actors he has worked with and continues to work with 
And this guy is very funny. You see him. I've seen him do absolutely everything. We've cast him actually quite a bit uh, in, in our show. But I love him in Righteous Gemstones. I still need to see Vice Principals because I've heard he's great opposite Danny McBride on that. I went with Walton Goggins as my Dr. Pool. No issues with Walton Goggins. Yeah. At all. Yep. He Funny can do, guy. He can do it all. Yep. Um, I clearly chose the hard thing in basically trying to recast Tim Curry in a in in, in an exact one to one almost. Um, uh-huh. So I went with a British actor um, who is who can do comedy and serious and and all kinds of stuff. Um, but I just thought he uh, would have that sort of fun British mannerisms. Um, that mm-hmm. sort of he could do the 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 ultra posh, polite yeah. that sort of thing. I went with Martin Freeman. Oh, I can see that absolutely. Absolutely, he can do that. So I'm. Uh, he doesn't have the comedy chops of Tim Curry, but he no. definitely has the posh, like the not the uppity, but the you know, it's that it's that British snootiness, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, and Mr. Poole says about Doctor Poole. Yes, uh, it is hard to replace Tim Curry. He is so perfect in everything he does. For this character, though, I wanted somebody who can pull off comedy without seeming like they are trying to be funny. I also had a hard time deciding how much older the actor should be compared to Lisa. I felt like an actor like Eugene Levy would be perfect, but a little too old. It may be a bit of a cop-out since he is cast in everything nowadays. Well, Adam and I do this all the time. We constantly reuse guys because sometimes they just work best for the stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I decided to give the role to Tom Hiddleston. I think he and my Lisa Provolone would have good chemistry together. I could see that. I think that's a similar enough vibe to kind of how you picked. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm cool with that. That would be a fun thing to see Tom Hiddleston in, just sort of mm-hmm. like an overly goofy comedic role. Uh, we yeah. know he can be funny with Loki. There's some other British shows that he's been in that I've heard were really good that I haven't seen yet. Okay. Um, oh, God, what was the – there was one in particular that I'm trying to remember. It was I, th- I think it only ran for a couple of seasons or series, as they call it. I'll have to remember it later. Okay. Uh, but I'm fine with uh, Tom Hiddleston. All right. All right, Lisa. Adam? All right, Lisa, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, you needed a good comedic actress, uh, one who would, I think, fit as the daughter of my Snaps and Sophia. Um, she has been a good comedic daughter. In the long-running show Modern Family, I went with Ariel Winter as my Lisa. Oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. I, okay. I, we started watching Modern Family... Uh, a little while ago, we're not. It's not a. It's not a consistent thing where we watch it all the time, but um, mm-hmm. we're we're up to about season three or so of it. And I I know the season ran for a long time. That by the end of it, she's basically an adult. Oh uh, yeah, very much so. <laughs> um, but uh, her character is hilarious on that yeah. show, so I'm totally fine with that. Honestly, probably a much better pick than I went with. I had a hard time with this one because I was strictly looking for Italian and Italian American actresses, and so. I went looking for ones who were younger, and um, let's see here, this one is about eighteen now, so she's about the age. Okay. Yeah. Um, am I doing my? I can't tell if I'm doing my my math right. Born uh, in two thousand and three. Uh, no, born in two thousand six. Okay. So, so I was a little, little, bit, little bit younger. Oh um, no, no, I, I, my math is off. I think okay. it had to be born in two thousand and four. So I mean, she's probably like six, sixteen, seventeen right now. Okay. But uh, she is in the show The Many Saints of New Jersey or New York. Sorry, Many Saints of Newark, which is the Sopranos prequel. Oh, a so, lot of prequels coming out. 
Yeah, which um, do we need? Do we need yeah. a Sopranos prequel no, or we, prequel? We and do we need the Lord of the Rings prequel? No, we don't. And the, uh, Game, the Game of Thrones the, prequel. Game of Thrones prequel. No. Like, yeah. well, look. Okay, I, I'm fine with Lord of the Rings because that's that's already like he set up that whole world. You can mm-hmm. do stories from like the the time on Lord of the Rings is so vast. Like we were mm-hmm. talking thousands of years. That you can do that, and I know he's doing that with Game of Thrones too. But I just, you know, it left such a bad taste in my mouth at the end of the last one. I, I just don't yeah. care as much. Oh yeah. Uh, my, my problem is if they get Lord of the Rings wrong. Because have you I'm, watched it? It's yeah, out yet. I don't think it's out yet. Is it? Oh, I, I, I thought it might have been. I, w- I think I would have heard if it was because my wife is absolutely ecstatic to see it, and if it's horrible, I'm gonna hear about it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm hoping it's good. Uh, just so I have to. Anyway, S- September second. So probably yeah. by, by the time this is out, that it will be out already. Okay. Uh, I went with an actress uh, named um, Matea Conforti. I know nothing of her. I just picked her. I. How do you spell Matea? M a t t e a. She played young Elsa's voice in Frozen Two. Yep. I've. Lisa doesn't need to be a big name. That's She's true. The daughter. I think that's totally cool. Okay. She she looks very Italian. All right. So for Mike's Lisa, Lisa's character is that of a spoiled rich girl, but also adds a lot of comedy to the film. Also, like Snaps, this character would be one of the headline roles. My decision is probably swayed a little because my kids love the Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon show Sam and Cat, where she showed that she can do comedy well. For Lisa, Mike picked Ariana Grande. Who I forget did acting actually. Yeah, yes, she did. Uh, she she was that Dis- or that Nickelodeon girl for a long time. I disagree with Mike that Lisa needs to be a big name. I, I Marissa Toyn May. People forget she was not a big name before this. This was before my cousin Vinny. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Lisa needs to be. She's you know a younger whiny daughter. I'm not sold on that. I don't dislike Ariana Grande. I think Ariana Grande is. I don't know. I'm not sure about her acting. Yeah. Because right? I never saw Simon Cat. Right. I'm going to say that as a as a casting person, you know, if I'm casting looking for actors, it's hard to say. Um, like, I don't know when the last time was she really did an act. I know I know she did something not that long ago where she basically just played a, a parodied version of herself. Uh, um, I forget what it was. She was in Don't Look Up. Um, that's it was recently. that's that's what it was um she okay. basically was she was an over-the-top parodied version of herself so it wasn't oh. that much of a stretch uh-huh. as as an executive i think that's a smart pick because that's gonna pull in a lot of younger viewers to see her okay so I, honestly i don't hate that pick as someone who's known as the taylor swift person um <laughs> I, I think it's pull a smart way pick. back yep I think that's a smart pick. So I'm going to say that, Mike. Okay. All right. Uh, Sophia. Adam? Sophia. Um, I went with an actress who has not been in any David Gordon Green stuff, but I think she would totally fit in. She has done a lot of comedy stuff, and she's beautiful. She's also got an air of like slight intimidation to her at times, I think. She's been in Bridesmaids, Spy, Neighbors. She's a awesome Fun, nice. I like her quite a bit. I think she would fit well. Rose Byrne as my Sophia. Okay, I like Rose Byrne just fine. Yeah, that'd be okay. fine with that. She does. She does more comedy than I think people kind of remember. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, I went with an actress who I've used a few times before. Uh, she's been on a few different things. Probably her most critically well-received one was being on True Crimes. Um, I went with Alexandra Daddario. Oh. Sorry. Very attractive lady. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see her. I could see see her being like a, a mob boss wife. Mm-hmm. She's she's got that trophy wife look to her. She's a good actress too. I still need to see and out not just because of the one scene. I've seen the scene, <laughs> um, but I do need to actually watch True Detective. Yeah. I, I heard that first season of True Detective is one of the best seasons of TV. Period. That's, I've heard that as well, and I have not watched it. Yeah. So is she in the first season or is she in the second season? She's no, she's in the first season. Oh, okay. I think yeah, that's that's the Woody Harrelson other that season. I'm pretty sure that's that one. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm cool with that. Cool okay. With that. All right, uh, Mike. If you're casting a rich Hispanic wife, Hollywood really only has two that they go back to: Sofia Vergara and Eva Longoria. I'm not gonna break with tradition, especially since. She, since she does uh, uh, incredulous reactions so well, uh, he went with Sofia Vergara, who honestly, if I was casting in that role, that's exactly who I would have gone yeah. to. I, I I really like that pick. Absolutely. In fact, I probably considered her for this one. I'm like, she could probably play Italian. Um, oh, yeah, yeah I was, absolutely. I chose try to stick with uh, Italian heritage if I could, but mm-hmm. I I think that's a absolute smart, smart pick. Absolutely. Absolutely good call there. All right, snaps. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Okay. All right, let's hear yours. All right, so as I said, mine is a kind of a weed dealers-based David Gordon Green film. This guy, I feel, has kind of played like the leader in movies with these same kind of actors. When you have Craig Robinson, Danny McBride, I would have Seth Rogen on here too. He'd be somewhere else. I would, mm-hmm. I'd throw him maybe as maybe a competitor, um, right. you know, like, like the Vendetti role or something. So who am I going to pick as like my lead? James Franco. I okay. think it's just totally fitting. All right. I can see that. Okay. Yep. Wasn't he wasn't he like on the shit list for a while? Oh, he probably was. Okay. He's probably terrible. Well, he's going to come back. He's a good person now. He's reformed, okay? <laughs> I don't know. We got him some help. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. I will go ahead and pick mine or say mine. I had a hard. This was the one I had the hardest choice with because a lot of the biggest name Italian American actors are older. Some of them were probably in this movie, and so I still wanted to go a little bit, not necessarily younger, but not really, really old. So I decided I would go for a one-to-one in acting ability with <laughs> Sylvester <laughs> Stallone, and I went with Vin Diesel. Oh God, <laughs> John. No, I know I cannot. I can't give that the green light from me. No way, no way. I think it would be pretty funny <laughs> to see that. Also, I th- I also think it'd be a lot really funny to see like hit, like this really short mob boss in front of uh-huh. other tall people. It's about family. <laughs> it's all going to be about family, John. Uh, I can't do a Vin Diesel impression, but <laughs> um, I I I do not approve. <laughs> <laughs> I snaps. figured. <laughs> That's why I picked it. <laughs> All right, and we'll go ahead and end with Mike. All right, he says, I originally thought to use Michael Pena as Snaps uh, rather than Connie, but Provolone's character is more of the straight man uh, who reacts to all the craziness that is happening around him. 
Also, the role lends itself to a bigger name. I went back and forth on two Star Wars names, Oscar Isaac and Pedro Pascal. Although I wanted to go with Pascal, I felt Oscar Isaac would be better in the role. So that is who he picked. I completely agree with his decision there. I like Pedro Pascal as well, but I think for this role, I think Oscar Isaac is the better choice. Uh, I tend to agree. I know Pedro Pascal just played like a Colombian drug lord in that Nick Cage movie. Um, where oh. he basically plays himself. Nick Cage plays okay. himself, not Pedro yeah. Pascal. Oh, plays gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I've actually heard good things about. Okay. I heard it was a, a fun little action comedy thing. Um, I just, there's a lot of movies that came out that I wanted to see that I never got to, and that was one of them. Yeah. Um, okay. I agree. I think Oscar Isaac might be the better choice. I think he's he's got more of that look. I I Overall, with the one weird exception where I think you picked the wrong uh, character... Yeah, uh, overall, yeah. Overall, Mike, I think I think you did pretty well. I think Bradley Cooper was the one that we agreed was the wrong choice. Yes, and, and, and probably your only one wrong choice. Yeah, you're se. right. That is, you know, even though I'm not like uh, in love with the air with the uh, Ariana Grande pick, that one's not wrong. Bradley Cooper is wrong. <laughs> but yeah, besides that, it fits for a Colombian '80s, you know, Miami Vice style film. Mm-hmm. Um, John, you did a good job with your. Uh, Italian, kind of keeping it your Italian uh, mob boss style, and I stuck to uh, the more updated, to you know, weed style right. movie with comedy, adult comedy. So, uh, yeah, interesting, T- totally different films. All right, so uh, lastly, I just want to say thank you again to uh, Mike for being a patron. If you want to be a patron, you can go to BFO, no, not BFO. Well, you can go to bfopnetwork.com to find us, <laughs> and there's a link there. Um, or you can go to patreon.com backslash blastpasscast. And that was our recasting of Oscar. Please join us next time for another album review. John and I discuss an internationally nostalgic album, Made in Medina, by Rashid Taha. And John also does an interview with the drummer on the album, Stanton Moore. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found.